0: Good morning everyone and welcome. Welcome this morning to our our service. We have a time of worship which is uh, beautiful to come into the presence of the Lord and to lift up our hearts and and really express our our thankfulness to him in, in worship and it's great that you can come here this morning and do that and be part of that. If you're here for the first time, again, I'd like to welcome you, uh, welcome you to our service. Please make yourself known at some stage, even afterwards, come and have a chat with us, come and and chat with me, I'd love to get to know you, or even just to say hi to you, so please don't hesitate, Uh, come and say hi, we'd love to to have a chat with you. Join me as we pray together, Uh, pray as we we come this morning, as we come and listen to God's word, and uh, continue to pray for his blessing upon all that we do this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this place and this time that we can come and worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We thank you, Father, for the time of worship, time of prayer. In all things, we want to honor you for who you are and what you've done for us. And Father, we come before your word this morning. We come and pray, Lord Jesus, that you may minister your word to us, that you may use your word to speak into our lives, words of life, words of truth, words of hope, that we may not leave this place, Father, not hearing your voice, but rather leaving, knowing that you have spoken that which you want us to hear. Father, we need you. We need you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, Understanding our right place before God, humility, understanding our right place before God. It's actually quite a, it's a fascinating topic I think that I want to share with you this morning about because I think it's something that each and every one of us at some point has struggled with and at some point has kind of uh, needed to wrestle this idea about humility and in particular this idea of, of pride. I don't know about you, but sometimes or, uh, there's been times, I think once or twice in my life, or you, you've probably done it as well too, where you may have made, made a, a cup of coffee for someone, and uh, you've taken that first sip and you've realized, "Oh no. Put salt, not sugar." <laughs> done that before? made a mistake, you put salt and not sugar. And at that first point, at that first sip, you've realized something's not right here. It tastes pretty ugly. It tastes pretty pretty disgusting, doesn't it? You don't drink coffee with salt. That's not the point. And so straight away you know that something's not right. There's an ugliness about it. There's an ugly taste. In itself it's nice, but this one little thing that you add to it has actually made it taste really, really disgusting. Pride is kind of similar like that. It's kind of similar to be proud. You can take a healthy conflict. You can take a situation where two people are disagreeing about something and it's healthy, because you know we live life, we disagree with each other. There's, there's conflict that happens in life. You can take a healthy conflict and add a bit of pride to that, and all of a sudden it goes disgusting. turns ugly, because one person or both people are proud. And what should be worked out reasonably, what should be worked out in a very Christ-honoring way, all of a sudden turns ugly and disgusting because pride has been added to it. You can take someone at work who wants to pursue a career and is motivated, is excited because they want to they reach a certain destination and, and, and they want to impress with what they do and they want to serve in some ways. And you can take a career pursuit, which should be generally pretty good and pretty safe and pretty healthy, but add pride to that and all of a sudden it can go ugly. Wanting to make sure that someone else looks worse than them, making sure that they're always in the face of someone, making sure that they're always kind of being seen and, and all of a sudden it can go Ugly because pride has been added to that. You can take parenting, parenting which is in and of itself a beautiful thing, God honoring, can be done really, really well and can be one in a way that Christ is glorified and yet you add pride to that, just a bit of pride to that and all of a sudden it goes ugly, it turns sour, it's disgusting because you know people aren't prepared to humble themselves, parents aren't prepared to say sorry. And there's this bitterness that can grow in just in, in the home. You can take serving in a church and again that which God has called us to and designed and, and, and that which is beautiful and, and should be done well all the time and, and yet add pride to that and all of a sudden it goes ugly. Why aren't they recognising me? Why does nobody tell me what I'm doing? Why don't they say thank you to me? And all of a sudden, there's this element of we're driven by something else other than the things of the Lord. Pride is a very ugly thing. It's so ugly that God speaks about it in ways that should humble us, that we would remain, if you like, in a humble way. Listen to some scriptures about this. The Bible says in Proverbs, when pride comes, then comes shame. Proverbs 11. When pride comes, then comes shame. But with the humble, there is wisdom. Think about that for a moment. When there is pride, the Bible, God, God in his wisdom says, when there is pride, there will come shame, embarrassment, ugliness, a sense of being ashamed, because of something that you've done. You ever felt that before? Because you've acted in, with a proud heart? Ever done that before? You thought to yourself, oh my goodness, what did I do that for? What did I say that for? An embarrassing moment because pride, God, God, God God's just smart. I know God's wise. We say God is wise and he is wise, full of wisdom. He is wisdom. But boy, he's just smart. God's smart. And he says things because he wants us to live life well. He wants us to live life the way He's designed us to live. And when He tells us something, He says it for our benefit, not to, not to um, restrict us with rules, but rather to liberate us with truth. And He says, you know what, well, if you want to be proud, you've got to be careful because it's going to be shameful to you. It's ugly. It's like salt in the coffee. It's not how it's meant to be. It's not how it's designed to be. And then in another Proverbs, it says this, um, verse 12 in, in Proverbs 18, it says, "Before destruction, before destruction, the heart of a man is haughty, and before honor is humility." So in other words, not only shame now, but something destructive, something that's going to destroy, something that's going to uh, uh, stop from growing. And all of a sudden, your relationships, your friendships, your pursuits in life, your careers, all those sorts of things, he goes, you know what, you've got to be careful because you can find yourself in a destructive place because there is pride. So it's very ugly. There's an ugliness about pride. Pride. In fact, the Bible tells us, and I think we live in this generation today in the, in the book of Proverbs, the Bible tells us that there is a generation, there is a generation that is pure in its own eyes. Think about that verse for a moment. There's a generation that goes around and says to itself, you know what, eh, I'm okay, I'm not that bad. In fact, I'm quite good. In fact, I'm really good. I'm pure in my own eyes. And it's a generation, and I think we live, if if there's ever a generation, I think we live in that generation today. It's a generation that basically, when you try and explain to it, hey, you know what, perhaps what you're doing isn't very good, they'll turn around and say, you can't tell me what to do. It's pure in its own eyes. It considers itself to be righteous. It considers itself to be good. It's very hard to pinpoint things because it's very defensive. It's like, you know what, there's this unhealthy sense of tolerance that exists amongst people. And so it says to itself, you know what, it says to us, and in its own, in its own mind, I'm okay, I'm pure in my own eyes. And yet you look at it and you see it, there's an embarrassment. You just look at the TV. You just look at shows, you look at reality TV. I always say to my wife, you know, when I thought it couldn't get any worse, they've made up another idea. And you look at all these things you think, wow, aren't they embarrassed? Aren't they embarrassed with themselves? But yet the Bible talks about a glorying in their shame. And so this is element where a generation that's pure in its own eyes, and, and, and thank God... We don't look to say it's them and us. We don't look to say, oh, look look how bad they are and how good we are. But there's a sense of sorrow and sadness in in our hearts because it is not good for them. It's unhealthy. It's ugly. It's hurting them. They are pure, if you like, in their own eyes. The tricky thing about sharing a message on humility is how do you evaluate it? How do you evaluate humility? What am I asking you to do? Am I asking you to sit there and say, ask yourself, am I humble? How do you answer that question? Think about it. Ask yourself that question. Am I humble? Am I? It's it's a hard one to evaluate. Because even the humble man will find it hard to say he's humble. Isn't he? Because how do you evaluate whether you're humble or not? It's one of those kind of weird experiences to try and ask yourself: Are you humble? You're going to say, "Yeah, I'm humble." Are you? And yet, the Bible is good because what it does, it gives us something as a guide to understand humility because it's what we are called to do. In fact, in fact, the Bible is rich in knowing how to um, and how to explain pride and humility because it knows it is the source of life. For us, in fact, I believe it is absolutely critical as individual Christians to be walking in humility. Really, really critical. I'd go as far as saying that it is actually life threatening not to. I'd go as far as saying that. And and not just individually, but also as a church. It's absolutely critical as a church that we are walking in humility and humility one for another. And again, I'll say it is life-threatening as a church to not walk in humility. Life-threatening. Because the Bible speaks about it in such a way that it defines it in that it is our life, it becomes the source, it becomes for us what keeps us going and the strength of who we are as Christians. And so to take that away and be people who are proud and you're going to see division, you're going to see embarrassment, you're going to see shame and then sadly at the end you'll see destruction. So it talks about humility in different ways. It asks us to be humble, yeah, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. It talks about being dressed with humility, clothe yourself, 1 Peter 5, 5, clothe yourself with humility. So in other words, you are to get up every day and dress yourself with humility. No one walks out into the day with nothing on. That's embarrassing. But you clothe yourself with humility. You make sure that you're dressed with the things that's going to keep you guarded and protected and safe in life. So we're to be humble, we're to dress humbly, and the Bible says we are to walk humbly. Yeah, Micah 6. We are to walk humbly with our God. So there's this thing where life, in all aspects of life, we're meant to do. We're to be it, we're to dress like it, and we're to walk it. Because God knows this is what we need as Christians, as these people. Because this is what brings life to us. It restores things. It doesn't make you shame. It lifts you up. It doesn't destroy things. It restores things. You take a relationship, for example, that's not going very well. You bring humility into it, and all of a sudden, it begins the path of restoration. But you take a relationship and anywhere along that relationship, you allow pride to get in and all of a sudden you're going to bring seeds of destruction. God knows that. You take a parent and a child, the same thing. You take a colleague with a colleague, it's the same thing. And God's asking us to be people who be, walk, dress with humility. So let me tell you a little bit about... I want to read a couple of passages of Scripture and I'll get you to open up to them. But first I'm going to tell you what humility is not. But, before, but I'll get you to open up to these passages. Um, if you can open up to Matthew 20 and just have the page also open to Luke chapter 14. We're going to read two short passages to really kind of draw on, if you like. I'm not going to really go into detail with these passages but I'm just going to make reference to them when it comes to this idea of humility. Matthew chapter twenty Matthew chapter twenty and then just open up your books as well to Luke chapter fourteen. So let me share with you a little bit about what humility what humility is is not. Brothers and sisters, humility isn't always about saying you're wrong. Or going around saying all the time you're sorry. You know, as if like somehow you have to always be the one that's that's wrong. Humility isn't that, because you know what, well, it's a bit bizarre. If you're not wrong about something, why would you be saying that you're wrong? It's not it sounds a bit odd. Humility isn't going around with this sort of demeanor that says, you know, I'm gonna go around always saying sorry to someone, but I tell you the truth or saying that they're wrong, but I tell you the truth, humility is always ready to admit you are wrong. You get that? Humility doesn't care if you're wrong or right. It's not not an issue of, oh, I better watch out if I'm wrong, because if I'm wrong, what is it going to make me look like? Humility doesn't go around always wanting to say it's wrong because somehow that looks humble. Humility is always ready to say, yes, I was wrong. Forgive me. I'm sorry. So what? Because that's the humble man, yeah? That's the humble woman. Humility is not going around being softly spoken, As if we have to somehow guard every word we say. And the softly spoken person is the humble person. That's not humility. Humility isn't going around being softly spoken. But I tell you the truth, that the person who is humble will guard every word they say because they are careful to know that their place before God must be the right place. So I tell you a beautiful prayer to pray. Beautiful prayer to pray that the psalmist prayed. He prayed this. He said, Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart always be acceptable in your sight. It's a beautiful prayer to pray. Because it's not about walking around being softly spoken as if like somehow some outward way you would somehow look humble. That you would somehow try and be humble outwardly. It's not about that. What it is, it's about you always being in a place of humility. Humility. When someone does that, they don't split. They don't split the sacred and the secular. In other words, they don't be one thing to one group of people and another thing to another group of people. They don't come to church very humble on a Sunday morning and then enter into their robust corporate organization on the Monday a different person. They don't do that because in church they have to be humble. Yes, thank you, I love you, God bless you. And then their organisation, which is robust and corporate, they have to be somehow big and strong and waving their fists. No, a humble person is a humble person. If you've got to change your outward appearance for people, that's not humility. Be, clothe, dress, walk in humility. What you are should be always a state of humility. That's beautiful. God wants us to be real, genuine, authentic. A humble person, beloved, it doesn't go around wanting to make everyone happy. You ever fall into that trap? Oh, but I've got to make everyone happy because, because I'm a Christian and, and if they're not happy with me, how are they going to think about this and that? They don't go around always wanting to make everyone happy. But listen, the humble person will be all things to all men that they may save some. So whatever they need to do in order to witness the show, the, the life of Christ, is, is their is there responsibility as christians humility is also not a compromise of the truth there's somehow this kind of some unhealthy form of tolerance you know you know we're christians we you believe this i believe this and you know we can get along because we no listen humility isn't trying to somehow create a, some tolerance that's unhealthy not based on the word of god but rather it is flows out of the truth of god it must flow from the word of god and from there there is a love that unites that's born out of god's truth that's humility not a compromise of God's word because somehow we can't be kind of divided but it's born out of the truth of God that's humility so in these passages if you turn with me to these passages Jesus speaks about humility on two occasions he speaks about what it means to be unlike the world and then he speaks about a man who thinks himself more highly than he ought to be and in Matthew chapter 20 verse 24 i I'll just read it out uh, to you Matthew chapter 20, verse 24. And when the ten heard it, because I was talking about who was going to sit on the, on the one side of Jesus and the other side of Jesus, and, and the other ten heard the disciples talking to Jesus about this, when they heard it, they were indignant at the two brothers. But Jesus called them to him and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whoever shall be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Very, very basic scripture, very, very um, telling scripture of what it means to be walking in this humility. He says, you know what? The way of the world often is the opposite to God, yeah? Yeah the way of the world, flip it over and you, you generally would see the things of God. What they do, as the Gentiles, which is the non-Jew, yeah, it's a sort of a general term for the non-Jew of the nations, is you know what they do? They just lord over people. They say, do this, do this, do this. I want it this way and I only told you to do it that way and why haven't you done it this way? And it's somehow demanding from other people. It says, you know what? That's can't happen among you. That's not what I'm calling you to do. I'm calling you to a place of humility, a right place before God that says, you know what? When you want to be first and you want to be great, then you've got to learn to be a servant and you've got to learn to be a slave. Wow. Really, Lord? Really? You're asking me to be a servant? You're asking me to be a slave? That's not fair, Lord, because, you know what? I'm a, I've got rights. I'm, I'm, I'm human. and—and—and—and—and and, 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 and Hang on a sec. Because the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve. The Son of God, the Son of Man, left his throne. The creator of this universe left his throne and could have walked around demanding respect, could have walked around demanding worship, could have walked around demanding authority, but he came, he said, rather to serve and not to be served. So I think it was good enough for Jesus and certainly good enough for me. And then he goes on to another passage, if you go with me to Luke chapter 14. I'll come back to these couple of passages in a moment. But if you turn your pages forward to Luke, Luke chapter 14 and look from verse 7. And from verse 7 he says, Now he told a parable to those who were invited, and when he noticed how they chose the places of honour, saying to them, When you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honour. Lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you um, both will come and say to you, give your place to this person. And then you will begin with shame, to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, Friend, move up higher, and then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit with you at the table. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and everyone who humbles himself will be exalted. And so this self. Um, evaluation, this idea of, you know what, I've come to a place of a wedding, I've been invited, surely, surely I should be distinguished, surely I should take the best place, surely they look at me as really, really good, yeah? And so he goes, he says, but you know what, don't do that. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to, Roman says. Don't think, but rather think soberly. Because you know what's going to happen? Shame. All of a sudden the person's going to come up to you say, oh, that spot's not for you, and take you to the back. And then you have to sort of walk embarrassed to the back. Rather, go take a place of humility and let God exalt. Because he, Jesus says, he who is humbled will be exalted. And he who is exalted will be abased. Because what God is wanting to do this is, is what God is wanting to do is to bring you from a place of humility where you understand the right place and bring you to a place where God wants you to be, a place where spiritually you ought to be. You are lifted up to a place where you ought to be spiritually. Peace is lifted up to where it ought to be. Strength is lifted up to where it ought to be. You are in a place spiritually where you must be because God has lifted you up because you have humbled yourself. So you want to get to the heights of being spiritual, you want to get to the heights of, of living the spiritual life, you want, to, you want to esteem to the place where God wants you most to be. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. Try it out. I'm telling you. Not it works. That's not even why I'm saying try it out. I'm telling you because Jesus commands it. Be a place where you're walking in a place. Be, be a person where you're walking in a place. Of humility, so I'm going to I'm going to attempt to give you some kind of little definition for you. Okay, um, there's probably going to be better definitions. There's probably better definitions than this one. Um, but I want to keep it very very simple. When you when you leave this place this morning, I want to keep it very simple for you. When you think about humility, and this is and this is my definition for you: know know your rightful place. Okay? Know your rightful place. If you like, compared to taking a place that's not yours. Know your rightful place. This is what it means to die to yourself. This is what it means to crucify the flesh. Because you know your rightful place. You're a place where you don't think yourself more than you should be. You don't take on for yourself more than what God wants or anything that contradicts the things of God. And all of a sudden you come to a place daily where you carry your cross, you crucify the flesh, and you say, Lord, this is my place before a great and awesome God. And what he says, you know what, I will lift you up. I will bring you a place of victory. I will bring you a place of strength. I will bring you a place of peacefulness. I will bring you a place where spiritually, where you are, where you ought to be. Because you have humbled yourself. You have come to a place, or if you like, you have known your rightful Place. It's it's all over Scripture, beloved. It is all over Scripture. It's like the man who says to himself, who didn't know his rightful place, and he comes, you know, um, uh, walking into the wedding feast and saying, you know what? I, I I'm sure I know my rightful place, and he takes the front row, and he didn't know it. It got to his head. Whatever it is, he got to his head. But I'm the leader of this family, or I'm the leader of this business, and it got to his head. I'm the older sibling here. And all of a sudden it gets to a place where it gets to our heads and we think to ourselves, our whole mindset, our whole state, position of our heart is one of, of lift it up and it becomes shameful and embarrassing. And this man understood very quickly when he was asked to go to a lower place. The Bible also tells us about Jesus in a very beautiful way, who says he didn't didn't consider robbery to be equal with God. This is Philippians 2. I'll just read it out to you. Um, But, but, being found in the appearance of man, he, what? Humbled himself. Isn't that beautiful? He didn't consider robbery to be equal with God. He's the son of God. But he didn't come around saying to everyone, hey, do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? Do you know who you're speaking to? Did he go around walking like that? Did he go around demanding things? Did he go around saying, you know what, hey, if you knew who you were, you'd give me water. Did he go around demanding or was it conversation? Was it drawing people back to the Father? No, he came to serve, didn't he? And not to be served. And boy, how much it would be enriching and bless a blessing when the people of God walk in those footsteps like Jesus. So he considered himself equal with God. Uh, he didn't consider it robbery rather. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death even the death of the cross. So he became humble and he became obedient because the two go hand in hand and then what does God do in his faithfulness? What does the Father do? Therefore God who has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. What Jesus did, what Jesus did, he's calling us to do. Equal with God, humbled himself, God exalted him. We, the children of God, humble ourselves, God exalts us. And so Romans tells us, as I said before, Romans tells us that we ought not to think of ourselves more highly than we are, but rather think soberly. Think in a way that's realistic. Think in a way that's in our right mind because when we're proud, we're sort of almost thinking we're out of our minds. But there is a humility one to another that is enriching, that is restoring, that is peaceful and that draws attention back to our God and our Creator. So it's finding our rightful place. So I want to give you a couple of thoughts in light of that. Firstly, our rightful place before God. God. Our rightful place before God. Yep, our passage tells us that. This man didn't have his rightful place before God. Rather, he thought his rightful place was before man. He thought to himself, Oh, amongst these people, surely I'm better. Surely I'm better, so I'll take my place, you know. Uh, surely when I walk into the church, surely, surely, if, if they're going to say hello to anyone, that's going to be me, you know. This whole idea of being in a rightful place before man rather than a rightful place before God. And so, what God is saying to this man, he's saying, You know what? I don't want you to think about that. I want you to think about your rightful place before me. Remember in Isaiah, the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 66, it says, Who does God, God made all these things, but who does he look upon? Remember that? Who does God look upon? Who does God consider? Who does God, uh, who's God affectionate toward? Because he sees everyone. He sees everyone. But who does God look upon? Yeah? He looks upon the one who is broken and of a contrite spirit. That's a humble man. That's a humble woman. That's the one who... And then it goes on to say, who trembles at my word. That's a man or a woman that says, you know what, God, I know my rightful place. You're God, I'm man, here's your word, and there's nothing else you ask me to do than to follow what your word says because this is what's going to bring me life. And I don't want to go around trying to contradict your word. I don't want to go around trying to compromise your word. I don't want to try run going to defy your word. What does your word tell me, God? You tell me, Your word tells me to forgive, I'll forgive, Lord. If your word t- tells me to go the extra mile, I'll go the extra mile, Lord. If your word tells me to love my enemy, I will love my enemy, Lord because he trembles at his word. He understands, this is my rightful place before God. This is, this is a life-giving word. And that's why to come to the end of ourselves and to know ourselves and to find is, is the way to find life. That's why the humble man is the crucified man, because the humble and crucified man finds themselves set free from their sin and their bondage, because the word of God becomes life to them. Proverbs 22, by humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. It's really interesting because this whole thing about finding a right place before God, right place before God is linked up kind of with the fear of the Lord. Because when we find our right place before God, we are saying to ourselves, God, God, I know who I am and I know who you are. And so the Bible says, with humility and the fear of the Lord There is riches and honor. I don't try going and walking around thinking to myself somehow that I'm better than what I am. So, beloved, think about it for a moment. Do you think yourself highly, more highly than you ought to think? Yes, we are children of God yes, we are called, yes, we are the redeemed, yes, we are washed by the blood of the Lamb, yes, we are precious in the sight of the Lord. But you know what, beloved, all those things bring us to a place of humility because we recognize just who we are before God. We are redeemed. We are washed in the blood of the Lamb. We are who we are because of what He did. And so we come in a place of humility. And if I look at someone who's done some big sin and I think oh he's done some big sin right I only have to think to myself but hey look at my life what has God done for me look what he washed me from look what he cleansed me from how can I even start to think what, about what they've done and in some sort of negative way some sort of judging way and so it brings us when we think of our right place before God it brings us to a place of humility that brings but that from that blossoms a love that is um, uh, that never ends. A right place before God. The other thing humility does, beloved, it brings us to a place, a rightful place before one another, before one another. Remember that first passage we read: "The Gentiles, Lord." But I don't want you to do that. There's a rightful place before other people in the kingdom of God. We don't lord over people. We become servants of other people. We don't demand of people, we love to support and help them. Yeah, that's what our where our heart, our heart beats for people in a way that we can love and support them, the kingdom of God. Because beloved, the kingdom of God is not a competition. Did you know that? Isn't that awesome? You don't competing with one another. You're not saying, oh, I guess who's going to be the most spiritual, the quickest. It's not a competition where you step on other people because you want to show yourself better than someone else. The kingdom of God is the opposite. You want to see other people succeed. You want to see other people grow. You don't care if someone says, wow, he's great, and they don't say anything about you because you love to see others helped and encouraged. is that wonderful? Now that's Humility. That's humility because it's not a competition. What, you're all, what we're all striving for is to see the kingdom of God established and the glory of God exalted. That's what we want to see. So what we find ourselves doing is we find ourselves killing self-righteousness and any sort of unhealthy judgment towards one another. Because you know when you, unha- when you have an unhealthy judgment towards someone, when you go around thinking to yourself that you know what's right and wrong all the time and you're sort of, in some unhealthy way, you find yourself better than someone else, no one opens up to you. There's no honesty. Why would they be honest with you? Why would they tell you their struggles? Why would they tell you their deep pain when all they're going to get from you is, no, oh, really? Because oh, you're, you're not spiritual. But when there's this sense of, hey, I'm not competing with you, I love you, before God, I was like you. I'm like you, other than the grace of God. Come share with me, brother. Come share with me, sister. Let us do this together, because as we pray, the God of grace will come and strengthen us both in this situation. And so all of a sudden, what happens is there's this openness and honesty with one another, because we know there is authentic love and care for each other, not a comp- competition with one another. That's the beauty of the kingdom of God. Our focus is the kingdom and his righteousness, not our kingdom. Our focus is the glory of God and not our our glory, our glory. And so what we end up doing is when there is conflict with one another, and there will be, (laughs) there will be, I'm sorry, there's going to be conflict at times with one another, just living life together. That when there is conflict, it is resolved because we understand our right place before God and we understand our right place before others and so it is resolved in a way for humility in a way that honors the Lord. Remember King David? I love this story of King David because what he did, there was once in King David's life where he understood his relationship before God, he understood his relationship before people, and here he was at some, I forget where it was, but in some place in the Old Testament where, where a man called Shimei came to him, and he's king, David's king, yeah? Very risky. David's king, and Shimei was this man who came cursing the king. You bloodthirsty man! Throwing stones at the king and, 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 and David's servants were like, seriously? David, do we just cut his head off? Like he's cursing the king, you know. But at that moment, listen carefully, at that moment, he had every right to do that. At that moment. But at that moment, he understood his place before God, his place before others, and he said, No, hang on, hold on, hold on. God has ordered this. God has ordered this. Don't touch him. Don't touch him. Here he was in a place and a position of humility. In a place of position where he did not want to go over and above what the plan of God was. Because he knew his rightful place. You get that? Oh boy, yeah. As a king, he could have said, yeah, cut his head off. But he took rather the place of humility. He knew his rightful place. And finally, beloved, it's humility. It's not just a rightful place before God, a rightful place before others, but it's a pathway to holiness. It's a pathway to holiness because there is no holiness without humility. There is no holiness without humility. I'll tell you why. Because God gives, because God resists the proud, yeah, but shows his favor or his grace upon the humble. And when we Come to a place where we want to walk like Christ. We come to a place where we come to the end of ourselves and the life of Christ is manifested in us. This place of holiness, a pathway, is a place of humility. We come to the end of ourselves. See, the Bible says we don't live under the Lord, we live under grace. That's why sin does not have dominion over us. And this grace, the Bible says, has come to teach us how to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts. And so if we need this grace to help us deny ungodliness and worldly lusts so that we overcome every sin in our life, then the way we do that is to ensure that we are walking humbly with our God. Because God resists the proud but gives what? Grace to the humble. So yeah, it's it's our right place before God. It's our right place before others but it's certainly a pathway to holiness. That's why Psalm tells us this. It says, um, Psalm 149, um, it says, For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He adorns He adorns the humble with salvation. He adorns the humble with salvation. Isn't that beautiful? He dresses the humble with salvation. In other words, that word salvation there, there is a reference to it meaning uh, victory, deliverance. Which is beautiful because we know that's what salvation is. Salvation isn't just finding a place in God and getting a ticket to heaven. Salvation is knowing the freedom and the deliverance of Christ in all things. And so God says, you know what, the humble, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to give them clothes. I'm going to dress them with salvation. I'm going to dress them with victory. I'm going to dress them with deliverance. I'm going to exalt them to a place spiritually where they need to be because they have humbled themselves before me. So, beloved, humility is, is, um, is critical for the church. It's critical for the individual. Because pride is very ugly. Because pride is ugly. Next time you want to be proud in something, just think, you know, would you drink coffee with salt? Oh, I personally wouldn't understand why you drink coffee with sugar. But anyway, But you drink coffee with salt. And the Bible calls us to be humble. The Bible calls us to dress humbly. The Bible calls us to walk humbly. When we leave this place, we want to walk humbly. When you go to bed, you want to be humble. Tomorrow morning when you get up, you want to dress humble. So I'm going to leave you with these thoughts, even just for this week and forever, but let's think about them this week. If we, when we contemplate these passages of Scripture, beloved, be encouraged to think about this for a moment. This week, let your pride be challenged. Let your pride be challenged. What does that mean? It will be. Someone will say something. Your child won't listen to you. The deal didn't come through that you so much wanted. Whatever it is, your wife, your husband hasn't gone through what was supposed to have done. Let your pride be challenged, and it's going to be painful. It will be painful. There'll be an element of you that just wants to react. State your position. Somehow um, uh, do something that you know isn't godly. I'm not talking about healthy discussions and conversations and conflict. I'm talking about in a place where you elevate yourself higher and somehow dominate. You let, your, you let your, uh, uh, maybe your words or your position take over the things of the Lord. Let your pride be challenged this week. Let it let feel the pain of your pride, of your pride being challenged, and allow yourself to rest in the knowledge that God is your strength. And if you humble yourself, He will exalt you. Let God be your strength. Here's another idea speak less of yourself. Hmm, that's an interesting one. Speak less of yourself and draw your attention or draw the attention back to God. Now I'm not taking, I'm not saying um, you know that you just don't speak at all, or you don't say, you don't talk about the things that you've done or the things that you're going to do. But this whole heart attitude that says, "Well, if I say this, guess what they're going to think about me? This is awesome. I can talk about this." And I'm going to stop. Speak less of yourself. And in your heart, let your heart's intention be that in every conversation, how does this conversation draw attention back to God? And that doesn't mean you're always having to say, "Oh, thank God, praise God, oh, it was God, oh, God." check out God. I'm not talking. I'm not saying words like that. But the state of your heart is always content to know that the direction of this conversation was not toward me, but back to God. Does that make sense? The words will come. Let God be glorified. Look for ways. Look for ways to build others. Isn't that awesome? Look for ways that, not going around always thinking to yourself, how am I going to build myself all the time? How is this going to help me all the time? Yes, let it help you. Let the Word of God help you. Let the Word of God enrich you. Let church enrich you. But have a position of heart that says, God, he's my brother, he's my sister, and I want the best for them. How can I, by the grace of God, build him up, build her up, so that her faith, his faith, may grow for the glory of God? And if that means sometimes I don't sort of get... The praise, it's all right. Because my brother did. My sister did. And I'm so happy for them because they're growing in the faith. Be in a place of humility. And here's a last thought for you. Look upon every sin in your life as sin that will be overcome as you walk humbly with your God. Don't let the devil ever make you think Oh, this thing, I just can't stop. It's going to stay with me. No. God gives grace to the humble. And he who humbles himself, God exalts. You will be in a place spiritually where you need to be. And God, through faith, through faith, by his grace, as you walk humbly with him, you will come to the end of yourself. You will see your life set free from all sin to the glory of God. This is the humble, humble man, woman who walks in the footsteps of Jesus because they recognise who they are before a great and awesome God. I think God has enriched us with this knowledge. God has uh, uh, blessed us with this knowledge. This knowledge doesn't diminish who we are, it, it restores who we are. This knowledge doesn't strip us of who we are. It basically reinforces who we are. We are the children of God who walk humbly with their God and through through that experience the goodness, the grace, the mercy of God to exalt us to a place where he needs us to be. Amen. Amen. Let's go be people who are humble before our God. Let's pray together. Let's pray. Our loving Father, we thank you, Lord God, for you have called us out of darkness into your marvellous light. We thank you, Lord, that you have brought us to a place that we could not have come ourselves, but you have brought us by your goodness and by your grace and by the blood of the Lamb. And that through this we are thankful. We thank you, Jesus. And I pray, Lord God, that we can always remain in a state of, of humility, that can we always in our service be a place of humility, In our love, a place of humility. Our care for one another in a place of humility. Lord, that we can walk in the footsteps of Jesus who did not come to be served, but to serve. Thank you, God, for your word and all that you give us. And then may we see the glory of the Lord. May we see you exalt your people. May we see you exalt your kingdom because you promised to do so. We thank you, God, for your mercy. We thank you for all that you do and pray your blessing on us as we go this week to walk humbly with our God. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.